0: Hi everyone, this is Manish.
1: This is Rashi and we are the co-founders at Reso.ai. So is primarily AI-powered CX Cloud for enterprises. Did you know that the first employment of your host, Akshay Dutt, was in a call center? Yes, that's right. Akshay was hired by eXL service from campus as a management trainee. eXL service at that time used to employ 5,000 plus people and it was a massive operation spanning multiple buildings in Noida. Today, that same level of output can be achieved with just a room full of people with the help of AI and chatbots. Don't believe me? Listen to Akshay's conversation with Manish and Rashi Gupta, the husband-wife duo behind Rezo.ai. Rezo is a technology company that runs call centers for brands using voice bots. If you want a first-hand understanding of how AI is disrupting traditional service businesses, then this is the episode you must listen to. And don't forget to subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast and any audio streaming app. To simplify this a bit, you can treat us like as a virtual contact center. You reach out to contact center for all the sales-related calls to generate all the leads. In our current capacity, we are 100 people strong, working equivalent to 20,000 worm bodies. And we are roughly doing around 30 lakh calls in one single day. In today's world, if you look at it, right, it's the humans. Sometimes we don't realize that how efficiently we could be. But the idea is if you're not efficient, the end product is basically reaping, is either the enterprise or the customers, right? Which is, doesn't make sense, right? So we are enforcing efficiencies in the call centers, taking away something which is a recurrent job that Rezo can do. If not, then bringing in efficiencies to the human agent. And end goal is basically helping enterprises do more at lesser the cost and the construct here is that we will be able to do a lot of outbound inbound calls just like what a human would have been doing we do collections we do scheduling of appointment anything and everything that a contact center would have done we are now doing it at the power of the bots
2: is it there must be like a spectrum of let's say simple calls to complex calls where in the spectrum till what stage in the spectrum is rezo able to handle because i'm sure there would still be some cases where you still need human callers. So, so, where's the line for you right now?
1: The construct is very clear, calls which needs human intervention, right? We don't try to attempt that, imagine it's a, there's a death in the family, you're trying to get an insurance, get some money, you don't want to be talking to the bot, you are middle of the road, right? And you are stuck with your family, 2am, it's a mix that we bring on the table, right? So where you think of time where Rezo can pitch in, can do the needful, we bring that. Processes from a simple to a mid-level processes is what Rezo automates. Something which needs a human intervention, we let the human do the job. And then for the rest, we also have a combination that we pass on the ball to the human agents. If Rezo is not able to understand in maybe like two probing, if Rezo still doesn't get the context, we pass it to the human agents. And then there is a whole feedback mechanism, machine learning at the back end, which is constantly learning.
2: How do you define, like you said, simple to mid-level complexity? Give me some example of what's like a mid-level complexity. Let's say if I'm calling to change my plan to Airtel, for example, would that be something that Rezo would do? or Just define it a little, like what is the current capability? What kind of complexity can it handle and what it can't handle?
0: I think what Rashi was mentioning about is, one, if there is some kind of emergency, it requires a human touch and that human touch is something that we are saying right now the ai should not be kind of interjecting on those emergency situations everything else it should be kind of handled by the bot typically any situation any call where the average handling time is let's say less than three minutes is handleable by the bot anything which requires much larger engagement per se, that's where the probability of the agents coming in will be helpful. So that's the kind of way it is.
2: Mm, Yeah, that's a useful definition of three minutes as the... Okay. And why is it three minutes? Is it that the more longer the conversation, the more harder it is to contextualize something said at minute five with something said at minute one? Like you need to contextualize...
0: Three minutes is more like a a ballpark kind of a scenario what also happens actually is at times the agents will have to look through the systems look up the different systems and give the answers and that looking up in different systems might take long what happens with when solution like rezo gets deployed we do api integrations backend integration with all the systems and the response rates are very quick we have seen AHT getting reduced dramatically when solution gets deployed so and AHT refers to average handling time. Handling time. Right. So, and average handling time comes reduced dramatically because now instead of switching between the systems, looking up into the CRMs, the system is able to get that in exact information through the APIs, the backend integrations, and is able to serve the customer rather quickly. So that's...
2: Right, Right, you have an agent with infinite knowledge in a way.
0: Absolutely. An agent with infinite knowledge, agent with infinite cloning capability and 24-7.
2: So can you take me through the journey of starting Rezo and uh, like uh, just for the listeners, so you and Rashi are not just co-founders, but you're also husband and wife. So how did you guys meet? How did you decide to take the plunge, a little bit of that journey?
0: Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, we met during our college days. We both were studying at IT Delhi. So we started our first startup, I mean, the earlier startup, we started in 2012. And that was into data analytics. That was into some sort of machine learning per se. And we had it for close to a year and a half. We had a product. That,
2: That was a product or a service? Like what kind of startup?
0: It was a services but we were also working on seeding a product at that point of time, which was more on the media mix modeling and media measurability, marketing measurability across all channels, including the outdoor media. But yes, so we did services as well. And we kind of realized with time that it was way ahead of the curve. We ended up talking to different companies, telling them as to what machine learning is and we were getting compared against the average formula of Excel. How are you different from that? I think it was it was like writing on the wall, probably we missed it. So we ran it for a year and a half, didn't see much headway there. And that was when we had to pull the plug. We get, took up the respective jobs. And then again, as part of our jobs and different responsibilities, we saw this opportunity of unstructured data coming into the industry, which is like a roadblocker for the enterprises. Anything which is structured can still get consumed very easily. But the moment you have unstructured data, it's a, it's kind of a roadblock and you have to employ humans to handle it.
2: Give me an example. What's an example of unstructured data coming in?
0: Unstructured data would be voice would be free text, would be documents. Anything which is not numbers is unstructured data, which is not consumable. You cannot inference from it directly. And and that's what we saw. I mean, as part of the business operations, almost all the enterprises generate this data. And in order to consume it, they have to have humans. They have to have people solve that thing for them so it's like a very simple example you want to take a feedback you want to take an NPS score. you want to take a CSAT if you can do it over the forms that's okay but a larger volume you'll have to call them up understand whether what is the feedback what is the voice of the customer and then someone will have to punch it in into their CRM in a 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 band give a score. And once the score is received is when the workflow will continue. So that's where we realized that why can't we look at, given the evolution of technology, of AI, cloud, why can't, you know, this be solved? So we started deep diving into it and that's where we realized, it's it might not be a 100% solvable problem, but it's a problem which can be solved to a great extent. So rather than solving 100%, probably we could solve 80% of the cases. That was the leading hypothesis with which we started. And and I think we started in 2017-18 kind of a window, spent a couple of years in terms of getting the product definitions, the business requirements. because. You cannot just take the the hypothesis. You cannot take the technology and just sell it like that. It has to have the business meaning to it. Because ultimately, someone will have to sponsor. Someone will have to give the money to it for it. So we spent good two years making the business viability out of it, the product feature set out of it, a lot of small pivots, a lot of features here and there, kind of putting the things together, stitching it together. And that's where we found the product market fit where the value is high. And then that's what we've been kind of selling in the market the last three, four years.
2: So when you both quit, you were CTO of Ratecane when you quit and Rashi was at WNS. You quit without any business on the horizon. There was no like prospective client or a lead where you thought yes okay i can start generating revenue in a couple of months like it was purely the idea that let's build this product even if it takes us 2 years
0: typically one would expect something to kind of fall in place maybe in Eight to 12 months, I mean, I kind of started doing some odd consulting jobs just to make sure that, I mean, the pressures should not mount beyond a certain limit. So it's like you have an IPL, you are limited over match, a required order should not go beyond 12. So for first year, one year, we were like kind of putting the things together, trying to see what can be done. But then just to make sure the pressures don't mount up, I kind of took some consulting jobs in, on the side. To kind of keep the ball rolling. And one thing, we were very clear, Akshay, from day one, that we do not want to get into the services side. I mean, there were ample of opportunities for us to pick up the services projects. And services is a very different ball game. And we were very clear on that. We don't want to go that route. And we want to go to the product side.
2: Between the two of you, who was trying to get business? Like who was selling and who
0: was building? So I think given the kind of background and the expertise that we bring on the table, I was more on the tech side. Rashi was on the data science side and the solution side. And collectively, we both were selling. I mean, because I would say we were both equally novice and equally specialist in sales. So it was like, I mean, we have to go out, uh, divide and conquer. Let's both sell. And with time now, I think Rashi has picked up the sales pretty well. So at the moment, it's Rashi who's selling. And so it's like anything in the front of the office, Rashi takes care. Anything back of the office, I take care. Mm.
2: Amazing. Did you start by selling what you're selling today? Or there must have been a journey where you would be selling something. And over time, based on what... You heard from customers, the product evolved. Uh, just tell me about that. Like, what were you selling initially? What response did you get? And how did you finally discover product market fit?
0: What we started essentially was more in terms of automating or having the chat as a automating the chat responses. Then we kind of moved towards, moved towards the email automation, social media automation. And all these nuances were something which short text, long text, their understanding, conceptualization, semantic analysis. So all these things is where we kind of spend good amount of time. Incidentally, voice was the last major segment that got added.
2: Because voice would need more time to build. It would be like a more time and investment to build voice capability.
0: I mean, text is, sounds
2: relatively easier to implement.
0: Actually, it's, I would say... Voice, in the end, didn't take us that long. I mean, it was much faster than we anticipated. But somehow we undermined the potential of voice.
2: So w- w- when you were selling text, I'm assuming it would have been a crowded market. There are a lot of other players also offering text, chat automation, and social media listening. So is that what led to voice or what led to like discovering that voice is your, the niche which you can dominate?
0: I think competition has never been a concern for us. I don't want to sound ignorant or arrogant here, but competition has never been a concern. Reason being, I mean, two major reasons. One, the market is super huge and you can have 10 unicorns operating in this space. So if there is so huge a market, competition is not a concern. It, it will be a concern maybe three years down the line, but not today. There is enough land to grab. What really we were looking at is what is the value that we are getting for those enterprises, right? If I, for example, do a chat automation, what is the ROI the enterprise is getting? Let's say I go to a 2,000, 5,000 crore company and I talk about a chat bot and They are giving me 50,000 rupees a month, 1 lakh rupee a month. I mean, the value ROI they're getting is is 1.5 lakh, 2 lakh, 3 lakh rupees a month. And of which they are giving me a portion of it. The question was, why am I not able to give a bigger value to the enterprises? That was the question I was solving. If I start giving a bigger value to the enterprise, I can go and ask for a bigger part. That's the problem if you are solving. Because it's like whenever you are in a B2B space, enterprise space, you have to give a bigger value. If you are just a superficial or a periphery service provider, you're like a fly on the windscreen. You might stick onto it for some time, but you might get replaced anytime.
2: Okay. Okay. And like, did this come from customers asking you for voice or you only started checking with customers? Hey, would you be interested in voice?
0: In the first leg, like, it was our customers said, you know what, we like the team, we like the concept, we like what you're bringing on the table, but we would want to have a single vendor which can handle everything. And in a way, our clients kind of pushed us into it. Okay. Okay. Got it.
2: And I believe Maruti was like the first big client for voice for you.
1: That's correct.
2: Okay. Tell me about that. Like what was their ask and how did you deliver it? And
0: so essentially, we applied. So Maruti runs a incubation program with the name MAIL Maruti Automobile Innovation Labs, and it's a it's a program which kind of enables startups to apply, and they would then want to imbibe the innovative startups to kind of come work with Maruti's different and different verticals, different teams, and do something big something different and at the same time it probably also allows a balancing act for the enterprise in terms of the size they operate at and maybe a combination of little agility so honestly we applied in that i think we were in cohort two if i'm not wrong so we were in cohort two and we applied for it and luckily or i would say destiny as it would say or whatever it was we kind of got selected And we were one of the winners of that program. And that's where we kind of got onboarded. We got a paid pilot and the success, the results of the paid pilot were satisfactory for Maruti. And
2: And Maruti wanted to do this NPS survey through voice.
0: Yes, one is doing an NPS survey, but it was also about getting the VOC, voice of customer. So the calls that were happening, what were the customers talking about?
2: And this was like after servicing, like when someone goes, gives their car to a maruti dealer for servicing after that a call goes asking about the experience
0: what is that i mean that was one second was also in the normal conversation in this in a customer support conversation what were the customers talking about were they really happy was there any hidden dissatisfaction aspect
2: so that was like monitoring the human calls that are happening and Creating a dashboard based on those calls, like how effectively the call was handled, was the customers, what was the customer's emotion, was he positive or negative about the brand, and things like that.
0: Absolutely, I think your sales pitch is better than mine. I believe.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, and Maruti wanted this to be multilingual, right?
0: Yes. So so essentially any business, if you see in India and not just Marathi, but even otherwise, what we've seen is almost 60 to 70%. Unless there any enterprise or a company is regional in nature, typically 60 to 70% of volume lies in Hindi and English. So for everyone, the first version, first iteration of deployment is do this in Hindi and English. Once this milestone gets achieved, is when the regional languages are very critical. So if I was to say till date, we do around 10 languages across India, all the major languages of India we do. Like
2: what is the, from the technology side, what is the product doing? Is it essentially a text-to-speech engine and vice versa, like a speech-to-text engine, and then that text is analyzed for intention? Is that what it is?
0: The reality is that it's like your. There are nuances in the speech engines then. So where you have to, whatever engines are available in the marketing, and we have a couple of our own versions of speech engines. So we have to kind of create an ensemble layer on top of that and see which engine works the best in what scenario. So we kind of do that. Then, What is a speech engine? Speech engine is text to speech. So it's ASR, you have speech to text and text to speech. Those are the speech engines. Then, obviously, you have an NLP layer which kind of works and which is our own proprietary in house.
2: And w- what does NLP do for people who don't know? Like, what's the full form of NLP? What is it?
1: Yeah, so what we do under the NLP engine is the, we hear the voice, and this is at the back end of the product. There are a lot of these elements, a lot of features which are embedded in the product. We understand, it could be understanding the free text because what we enable the whole system is to understand the voice of the customer and just get it to thrash that data and bring it to the enterprise this is not what you wanted to hear, like five things that you wanted to check, but your customer is also talking about this 50th thing and the 60th thing that you never even imagined. So that was what we wanted to bring to the enterprise. With that as a thought, now you imagine you are anything that you you built as a function on the voice or on the chat, you are basically this was the backend enablement that we wanted, and we wanted this to be enabled in all vernacular languages. Now, the complexity when you look at the landscape, right? There is anybody can talk whatever; it could be any verbatim, right? It could be a linguistic comes into play, slangs comes into play, short forms comes into play, anything and everything, because it's like what we you and me are talking to figure that context. So. And then basis that there is this whole generative AI where you basically have to revert in a manner. For example, I may just say my remote is not working right on behalf of a brand like the brand the customer is saying this now the brand needs to handle it in a way right and we are the one which are handling on behalf of the brand so all interpretations right so the back-end engine has to be so powerful to be able to get the gist of the customer do an intent identification figure out from the back-end of the enterprise what kind of a response what kind of an API do I have to fetch to be able to give out a response to it now you do an amalgamation on this simple construct right with all vernacular with all sentiments with all emotion embedded into it right so it's a it's way in simplistic like money said the base was that but then you built in the complexity of the sentiment of the emotion of the open verbatim of the slang of the background noise because we work with a lot of people who are so you're driving and you're talking to the bot right there is a lot of this honking road noise vendor i mean peaches all sorts of noises are there you have to cut that so that is where and the bot should be still be able to interpret everything in a in a unified manner and should be able to roll appropriately it can't do any hang ups in between we did chat we did build the engine on the chat we started interpreting chat either on social or on the website then with the ask of our the brands that we were working with, they said, yeah, this is good. This is what you have built is good. But can you take it to the next level? Can you bring in speech? Can you bring in? We said, okay, speech. We got into voice. Then they said, can you do vernacular? Then we did vernacular. Now can you do vernacular? You make it open-ended, right? We don't want a one, two, three sort of a bot. You make it open-ended. Let's hear. So that is how the complexity for us kept happening. And then now the ask is, Bring in variations, bring in generative AIs, bring in incorporate the chat GTPs. Then the other ask is bring in add emotion, add sentiments, add tonality, interpretation. How the product gets carved is basis, our deployment and basis when we see the ask coming from our brands that we are doing for a rollout, and the competition is where, and you, you look through that. If you do this, then you are there, right? So that is here. Where a lot of debating internally, we do basis the ask, and then we put forward the ask to the product team and the tech team. <laughs> this is what we are looking at, and then we build this whole science together.
2: Okay, okay, got it. The There is a handover between the speech engine and NLP, NLP engine, or they work together? Like the speech engine would convert it into text, and then the NLP engine looks at the text, or...?
1: It goes seamlessly, right? I mean, because the revert has to happen within a couple of seconds, right? So the whole embedding is like the speech to text will happen, interpretation will happen, API calls will happen at the back end, generative AI responses will happen, and then a revert would go to the customer. So imagine all of this, like the way you and me are talking, it has to happen like that. So it goes seamless.
2: And if it is vernacular, then it's translated to English for the NLP engine, or the NLP engine is processing in the vernacular language, like
1: It's processing in the vernacular because then once you do the interpretation, the context changes. So it's good for if you have to do one or two pieces, I think it may still work. But if you have to look at a broader picture, what we are trying to solve, like open-ended conversation, it will be a showstopper. Initially, we tried that. But after a point of time, we realized that this is not working out. So we rolled back.
2: Right. Right. It will sound very unnatural. Like translation removes the flavor of the language from it. Right. Okay, okay. And so the speech engine for vernacular language, did you have to build this or was it available? Like, I mean, English, of course, there would have been a lot of work done and would be available. But how did you build capability for, let's say, something like Gujarati which you may not have had an off-the-shelf speech engine available or something like that or like just help me understand that
0: so i think there are two things here one is the corpus is available i think the indian government is putting a lot of effort towards building this corpus there are universities working in silos i mean all this time they're working in silos now coming together and set up a collaboration amongst themselves along with the government of india so the corpus is getting
2: by corpus you mean the data set, like labeled data.
0: Data set. Correct. It. It. So that's getting kind of built up. Then there are this data set corpus is also available in different, as I said, with universities, online it's there. In fact, so much so that I know you'll be a little surprised. Why not the movies? The closed captioning are already done. What better data dataset would you want? I mean, so all the movies that have been that are there in the market and someone has put in the effort or pay has been paid to create the closed captioning manually, that's the corpus you need.
2: Okay, got it. So, so you were able to develop the speech engine for vernacular using the corpus
0: which exists? Yes. I mean, so we were able to build just to some extent with this corpus available. We also leveraged some third-party engines which are there And a mix and match is what kind of is working for us.
1: See, the mantra is not to say no to business, right? When the business is coming, you don't have to say no. And you have to figure out a solution. If you have something built in, you roll. If you don't have built in, you don't shy away from figuring out how can you leverage third parties, competition, whatever it is, right? But the idea is, crux is never say no to business, just keep rolling. So that is what we have adapted and moving on. And
2: you were talking of some like things on the roadmap in terms of incorporating ChatGPT. How would that become a feature in the product? Like, what would that imply?
1: See, it's we're testing it out, right? Because the idea is we're also working with a lot of NPFCs, with a lot of financial organization, insurance companies, banks. So we just did a few weeks back, we've rolled out a version, incorporated something which is already existing. We're testing it out because... It can't be open-ended. Tomorrow, it's going to be talking something, right? And then the price will be paid by the enterprise, right? We have done the solution. So the construct is that a huge, in fact, the government themselves, right? I mean, there is so much investment going into seeding this. But then on the other hand, there is a larger investment, which is now getting uh, the grants have been issued to basically also Put the boundaries because if you allow it to talk, it can do anything, right? So
2: what does it look like, this Chat GPT-powered version? What is like it, does it allow the bot to give answer in longer sentences and show more empathy and emotions while talking? Or like why incorporate? That's what I'm trying to understand. What is the value it will add? How will Chat GPT add value?
0: For example, if a user, someone, let's say Manish goes to a bank's number and trying to play a prank and start ordering a pizza. I mean, our system and obviously what the permissions we have from the bank I mean, because as a part of the road, there are certain guided rails within which you have to operate. So our system will say, sorry, I will not be able to help you out with this. Whereas GPT will say pizza, uh, checkbook Okay,
2: slightly more humanistic, quirky responses. Like that's what ChatGPT will allow.
0: Yes. And we, what we also, again, this is again a hypothesis and probably will get tested with time. But remember in the beginning, we said a three-minute AHT is a limit. This is something which might help kind of go beyond three-minute boundary.
2: Because you're able to engage people more.
0: That's correct. So it's same as if you see a parliament session or if you see a keynote by anyone and which is, let's say, half an hour or one hour, they need to put some jokes in between to kind of get everyone's attention. So similarly, ChadGBT, one use case that we see at the moment is getting that that engagement factor there.
1: Mm,
2: okay okay interesting and and currently you are using generative ai already like that you have been using rather so generative ai here refers to the fact that you're generating the responses of the bot is that what it refers to or, or what is generative ai
0: so generative ai essentially overall if i was to say is to generate content which doesn't exist so it's not in response to a prompt that's correct So typically, ChatGPT has two components. One is semantics or understanding the content, intent, context, whatever you might want to call it. And then basis that, come up with some solution, some answer, which chances are very high, doesn't exist in totality. Because if it just gets you or fetches you a solution or an answer which was there in one of the websites, then it's a search engine. Then it's not a generative content. But if it can... With certain thesis, hypotheses in the system which it has been trained on, it can generate the content and give it to you, assuming pragmatism isn't there to that level, and it was not copy-pasted from any website directly. So that's what generative content is all about.
2: Okay, and this you have been using right from like when you started generative AI, because your answers of the bot are essentially generative AI.
0: Yes. so. That's correct. So we were having this versions there and it was kind of fine tuned or perfected for the B2B, for the enterprise space, because there are certain boundaries in which you will have to operate when you work with enterprises. You cannot go beyond, you cannot go all over the place. In fact, I just want to kind of cite an example here and without naming the enterprise, What happened was they rolled out a chatbot on ChatGPT on their website. And within two days, they had to take it down because the answers it gave were not in lines with the legal compliance of that company. This
2: was a chatbot for answering customer queries. So take me through your pricing journey. When you started, how did you price it at? What did you learn about pricing a b2b product what do you price it at today
0: so i think as i was saying in the beginning when we started the pricing was i mean the best we could charge was fifty thousand rupees a month one lakh a month and what we saw was i mean obviously for any company and again as a startup also but for any company the ticket size the, the average selling price or acv which is annual contract value they have you have to try and maximize it. So we tried kind of doing it, and what we realized was the value that is coming on the table for the enterprise is not that exorbitant or is not what is in lines with what we are looking at. So we had to kind of flip it, and we started doing a value-based selling, and which really helped actually get a much better ROI to the enterprises and basis that even our ticket sizes started increasing
2: what is value-based selling?
0: Value-based selling is all about what is helping the enterprises derive and understand the overall value that this offerings that we have brings on the table. So one is it's same as if I say that I give you, I sell you a pen. I sell you a pen for 10 bucks, right? Probably you'll say, you know what, I have more pens, but this 10 rupee pen, I might buy it. But what if I I typically lose pens? I have that habit of losing pens every one week, every two weeks. The ink starts leaking and this and that. So one approach is I start selling you 10 rupee pen, and I say, you know what, I'll sell you now, I'll sell you again after a week, I'll sell you again after a month. That's one approach. Second approach is, I try and study, typically, how to, what is the average shelf life of a pen with you, right? And I see on average, you need a replacement every sixth of day. So what I'll say is, you know what, don't worry. You use as many pens as you want. This is the package. You want to change the pen on a daily basis, please be my guest. Right, and obviously, my instead of charging 10 bucks, I'll be charging you a different structure, and you will say, You know what, this is too expensive. I'll help you understand as to typically last year's what you spent was this amount. I'm giving you a discount over that because I, since I'm selling you a bigger ticket size, so I'll not my unit price will not be 10 bucks, my unit price might be eight bucks or seven bucks. So actually, I'm helping you save 30%. And your pain point goes away. Uh, That every time you have to think again about buying a pen, which pen to buy, it's a win-win for you. It's a win for me because I have a larger, a bigger horizon with you.
2: Got it, got it. So in your case, you would probably look at, the salaries that they would be paying to agents and how many of those agents you would be able to replace through rezo that would be the basis of pricing
0: let me try and explain as to how we typically take it we say what is the total cost of
2: Of running a call center
0: of running a certain function like say running a certain service let's say of capture capturing the nps score what is the total cost associated with getting the npa score what is the delay that you get what is the opportunity loss you have right what are the pain points you have we start with that and then see what all we can solve for them right the solution solves what other things that you know we can help solve and basis that we say you know what today you are spending let's say you are spending 50 lakh rupees on getting the NPS core structured with a delay of one week. What we bring on the table is something which will cost you five lakh rupees, real time. And it's a plug and play and you deploy it and you forget about everything else. You'll get the results within a matter of, let's say two hours, whereas you are getting something in seven days. And things like, was it really transparent because it could have been managed? Whereas this is like the automated system, everything there, all the, no human intervention. So it's more about comparing as to what it is as a status quo and what we bring on the table and the value that we bring on the table. And in this, just, there have been ample of cases where, for example, if, for example they're spending 50 lakh rupees today annually and we when we did our math and we saw that best case scenario i'll be able to sell give this service for 45 lakh rupees i tell them do not change yeah i mean there are ample of cases even today in fact i had a call with one such customer a week back where they wanted automation rolled out and he said Sir, do not change it. What you are doing is the right way of doing it. Do not deploy solution of reso. In fact, I would suggest do not deploy from anyone because the size that you operate at, the use cases you have, automation solution will not be able to help you out and you will not get the ROI and nor will the implementing partner. And it'll be burning the bridges three months, six months down the line. So it's better to be upfront.
2: Okay. You sell directly to organizations or you work with uh, implementation partners? And like, is there like a channel sales model or is it direct sales?
0: At the moment, we are selling directly to the enterprises. But we do have some channel partners, SIs, kind of there who are started selling now. A little early in the construct, but yes, it's picking up.
2: And is the like once you sell, let's say this NPS survey, how much time does it take to go live? Like, how long is that onboarding journey? Because you would need to collect data from their systems. I mean, you need to read data from the systems. You would need some access to the phone numbers. You would need some sort of a line calling line setup or something. Like, like how does it happen? Like, what's the onboarding journey?
0: So our typical onboarding journey. I mean, if the enterprises are ready. I mean the decisioning is made, and they have the information, API documents, data handy. So I'm not kind of I'm kind of discounting the delay because of the enterprises or our clients. We can get started anywhere between two days to maybe one weeks. Heads up.
2: Okay. Okay. This kind of selling approach of value-based pricing, doesn't it reduce the speed of sales? Because every time you go to a client, it's not like you can give them a rate card, but you have to first ask them. Get
0: No, we do. Again, we do give them the rate card also. I'm not saying that we don't. Our rate card is fixed. I mean, we have a certain rate.
2: What's the rate card based on? What is that like?
0: on the complication of the use case, the volume that is coming in, what kind of commitment we have. So rate cards are fixed. So again, it's it's fixed in the sense it's in a certain range and it's a very well defined, But So I'm not saying that we inflate our prices basis the value, we don't do that.
2: But you're able to demonstrate value to get the conversion.
0: Correct, correct, correct. Because so our rate cards are in the similar range. It's just that this approach, helps the enterprise come to the conclusion faster. So actually, this approach helps selling faster.
1: It's the, in addition to what Manish said, what we bring on the table is, they may have a current process and they are sitting on large data. They are doing things in a certain way. When we come in and as Manish was saying, our rate cards broadly, it's a volume-based pricing. It's a fixed sort of a structure which is there. What we try to, we, we don't,
2: which is like a... a per- Per minute or something like
1: that. Yes, it's correct. It's a per minute depending how the larger the volume and all of that is. But broadly when you go to the enterprise and you talk to them, it is very important to understand they want to automate a process or they are looking at something was running in with in a certain way. And they are saying response pick up kar rahe. What we bring on the table is the success. Like today the selling is ma- majorly on a success base. Today you are getting as output i will be able to take it to 2x or 3x in such and such time and that time duration as when said our deployment times once the client is ready on the basic construct we like a lot of my competition where the deployment time could be three months we do it in flat 10 days right along with the uat built-in and Success is what we drive. We say that if you today are able to get X as a as an output, we will be able to do it 2X, 3X, depending upon the complexity of the problem. And that is one. The other thing that when we talk to the enterprise, when they are just talking, there is a lot of base, right? These are your customer base and you are making revenue from your customer base in a way, right? You're serving them. You're making, you're making revenue from that. There would be always an untapped, bet that you don't even know you have not attempted so when rezo comes into the play we are more data right we our decisionings are majorly powered by data where are you sitting today what is your current input what is your current output what's broadly your cost there's not too much of conversation like what you're thinking that this is going to be taking a lot of time for me no it's very straightforward because you just say sir aaj aap kitna where are you today and Where are you wanting to be, right? Can you do this with the current bandwidth or the current infra that you have? answer is no okay so we will come in we will look through your data and we will get you from here to here and you can measure the success so that's the construct and when you put that construct irrespective of who's my competition right it goes these discussions goes much faster and once they generate faith in us yeah I mean they know they value my data they're able to hear me out they're able to understand that is where they say this is my untapped customer base I have not even looked at this base can you do something about them so then you do a of co-inventing with them and you talk to them you figure out this is what it is and it doesn't take a long right because it's the idea is if you start looking at the data you start looking at the problems that they are facing right and you propose simple solutions not very complicated simpler ones you're able to roll in a much much quicker manner
2: does the product get customized for each customer like let's say male voice female voice or stuff like that or like what all customizations happen?
1: so you can define that we have seen that we were working with a lot of driver base at certain point of time now when we were working with the driver base they were not liking the female voice it was not just working out right so they wanted to hear a male voice telling them instructions Another time we were working with a brand where collections were happening. So we got a mandate that only the women voice is going to work. Bring in a women voice of from age 30 to 35, right? So that's the kind of, and they also, because they have to run these units for a very long time, they know this much clearer than what you can do. So we amalgate and put things together and this agility that we have to be not hard-coded everywhere and listening to the client and bringing things, this basically is playing in our favor.
2: And so these are like available off-the-shelf voices, like 30-year-old Indian woman voices available off-the-shelf. Does it sound human, close to human, or it's obvious that it's a machine-like?
1: No, no, it's pretty human-like. In fact, we have rolled it both in the urban and the rural areas. The rural latches on to these voices beautifully because it's like, It's easy. We are rolling it out at the farmers, right? People hearing about various policies, about what is happening, when is the seed, how is the seed, you can ask anything and everything. As far as the urban is concerned, what I can sense is, like, for example, unlike you being hogged by the multiple calls during the day, if you make, like, one single call for an insurance policy and then you get, like, 10 calls in a day till the time you pick up the call, you answer 15, 20 questions, these kind of calls are happening. Like, we leverage a beautiful concept, which is a smart contact center strategy. Once I have understood the DNA of Akshay, I know, when you take what are your plus and minus? I know your transactional history, right? And this is what we bring on the table. It's not just conversation. Ki a messaging hai jo brand ki taraf se Okay,
2: interesting. And like you start the call with a particular language. Like when the call starts, somebody would maybe the bot would speak in a language, and the customer responds in. Let's say bot speaks in English, the customer responds in Hindi. So that uh, changes changeover happens on the spot. Like the bot will also start. Okay.
1: Yes, immediately, yes. So the introduction is basically in one or two languages because you can't do it in all languages. But the, you know, if, for example, if, if the call is in Hindi and the other guys started to talking in Telugu, for example, so the switch will happen in Telugu and the rest of the conversation will be in Telugu.
2: Okay, and, and then you have data that next time you should use Telugu with that customer. How does the cost compare to a human agent? Like assuming, a, let's say maybe a human agent would give you maybe two 300 minutes of calling time a day to 20 days so maybe say 5000 minutes in a month what would 5000 minutes of rezo cost like
0: so so basically the cost reduced dramatically let me answer it this way and also the fact that the i would say ballpark yes like less than half depends again depends on the complexity depends on the what kind of a volume uh, is there a lot of factors it could actually be Lesser as well. I mean, it. Could, I mean, it kind of ranges anywhere between, I would say, a forty percent to maybe a sixty seventy percent. Depends on a lot of factors.
2: I mean, a cost of a human would be at the very least, maybe twenty five thirty thousand a month, right? Because you also have the cost of providing a
0: laptop and the space, etc., etc. So, so you're it's a sitting cost, it's the training cost, it's the hiring cost, it's the Onboarding, it's the offboarding, it's the PF, ESI, everything. put. I mean, there are then the TL cost, then the QC cost, everything put together. So there are like multiple factors. In fact, I was I'll give you a very interesting perspective as well. I was talking to someone in terms of helping them derive, as I said, value based ROI based positioning, and this person was telling me, you know, what we pay twenty thousand to an agent. I said, 20,000 you pay, but that is not your cost of operation. Yeah. It would be double of that probably. Yes. But then obviously you can't just say double, you have to justify. You have to, one thing that really came out was, as per the government law, you have to give them certain leaves. The leaves could be easy around 25 to 28 offs. In a year this is besides the Sundays. Because typically any employee gets eighteen leaves in a year. Plus there are festivals. Plus you have fifty two Sundays. There are medical leaves. There are paternity, maternity leaves. I mean compassionate leaves. There's- and then
2: health insurance and the office infrastructure and
0: your yes, typical sitting cost can range anywhere between a thousand rupees to a f- maybe at 10,000 rupees per seat, I mean, again, depends on a lot of factors, then you have the bosses above TL to maintain this entire hierarchy. There are account managers, there are who kind of manage the accounts. So, I mean, electricity cost, internet cost, as you said, la- laptop.
2: Right, right. And in your case, you're at half of what it would cost for a human
0: to be running this. Yes. thing. Yes. And I would say, again, One thing which again is, I want to really kind of call it out is the first impression or the first thing that comes to the mind is job security for these agents. And interestingly, when we work with these enterprises, not a single agent has been let go.
2: They are redeployed for higher value work.
0: They are redeployed for higher value work, in fact, which which essentially requires their upskilling, right? And upskilling, I mean, training more.
2: I want to understand as a business how you're doing. What is your current ARR? What kind of customers do you currently work with? which sectors, like customers from which sectors, what's like your biggest sector from where you have customers? Is it like VFCs or is it like automotives or just give me an idea of what your revenue and the breakup of revenue looks like.
0: So we currently focus on automobile and VFSI and telecom. So three verticals that we're focusing on at the moment. Currently, we are purely based out of India and operating in India. All the clients that we have around 15 paying clients today another five in the pilot stage.
2: Who are some of the clients that you could name? Are you at Liberty to name some? Like Maruti, of course, we've already discussed.
0: So Maruti is there. We work with L N D Finance. We work with Tata AIG. We work with Delivery, Usha.
2: Delivery would be like when there's a customer who's expecting a parcel. So a call would go and say that your delivery will come at 11 o'clock or like feedback for the delivery or something like that.
0: So delivery, it's been a non-voice function, non-voice automation for them. So, yes. So, but yes, the use cases are those straight line use cases. But, and in terms of where we are in terms of our revenue and others. So we are, let me put it this way. We are targeting to to hit 10 million ARR USD by end of this financial year.
2: Okay, amazing how much is that in crores
0: Uh, it'll be around 80 85 crores as a run rate and in terms of our otherwise health we are a bit a positive company we are a profitable company we've been we've been profitable for last eight quarters now
2: wow amazing okay and this includes your salaries also like
0: yeah, yeah. Absolutely everything.
2: Do you need to raise funds? Uh, are you planning to raise funds?
0: Yes. So uh, we are in discussions to raise capital. Some early stage conversations. Are-
2: but why? I mean, you are profitably growing.
0: Right. So essentially what happens is, Akshay, that in fact, we've just set up our U.S. subsidiary. And what happens is now is at the growth stage, you need to kind of experiment. You need to kind of invest in the sales and marketing engine and also as part of the growth the experimentation needs to be quicker which requires capital infusion and that's the reason why we kind of raising capital
2: but your product is already mature right like it's like
0: yes i mean i mean okay product is already matured it's already there in terms of the scale is there and everything is there but still, the feature sets will keep evolving, keep improving. Bases the customer feedback. So,
2: okay, like going beyond that three minute uh, handing time.
0: Absolutely. So, what happens essentially? I mean, just for example, recently the feature, not recently, but sometime back, the feature that got added was about switching the language on the fly. So, for example, you and, you and me are talking in English, but you shayad to speak Hindi. Now we have we have designed the system in such a way that bot will switch.
2: And the voice is, sounds like the same person only talking.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: Are you getting used for sales calls also, or it's mostly just like data gathering?
0: We are doing a lot of sales calls as well. We help setting up the appointments.
2: What kind of sales? Like, like, say, ed tech companies generally do a demo of the product, so setting up those kind of appointments and things like that.
0: One is setting up those appointments, then lead verification. In fact, there are... So we've started selling high-ticket size items as well, like an automobile.
2: And, And this would be like a cold call or a call to someone who filled a form on a website or something? It's kind of both. Because that is, again, you're adding a lot more value then because then you're doing revenue generation. So you can capture more of the value if you start doing like sales is obviously every business is lifeblood. Exactly. Amazing. So, I mean, it seems like the opportunity is huge in India. Why go to the US right now? I mean, for example, like telcos is an unscratched market for you right now, right? And telcos would be a massive market.
0: In India itself? Absolutely, so you're right. India is a huge market, no doubt about that. And in fact, as a market, it's just scratching the surface.
2: Yeah, I mean, fifteen companies just. I mean, there is so much potential for you here.
0: Absolutely, so see, it's like there is a certain consumption or a capacity for an industry for a geography, and we are trying. We are already maximizing and we are kind of we will we are expanding as well as rashi said we have we are hiring for 50 positions right now so while we are expanding while we are kind of consuming this market we would need more geographies to be added to be to kind of fill up our capacity or our hunger i would say for growth and if you seed a new market that new market itself has a gestation period of 12 to 18 months so if you start now that you'll see the results in next 18 months, not today. And that's the reason why adding new market is important. Plus what it also gives us a much better stability, much better learning of the feature sets or the use cases and the product evolution.
2: Right, your product becomes, I mean, obviously going to US would help the product also grow because they that customer is a lot more demanding. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Who are the other companies in this space?
0: So there are companies in different kind of sections. So I would say, so there are like the likes of Unifor and Observe, which are sitting more on the data analytics part, or the speech analytics part. Then there are the likes.
2: So they would be like monitoring human conversations and sharing like a dashboard with feedback.
0: Feedback, also nudging them, prompting them as to what next to speak. Those kind of things are there. Then there are players like...
2: How big a part of your revenue is this? You also do this, right? Like monitoring.
0: Yes. So we do this. doesn't have that much of contribution to our top line today. But in terms of our pipeline, I would say almost one third of the sales pipeline and the pilot that we have is this. Then there are obviously players like Cognigy. There are ASAP and Verint. To some extent, so these are the players. I've I've not
2: heard of these companies. W- what do
0: they do? So these are the companies in US I was talking about, which kind of focus on the voice automation, voice watch or getting those data points, completing the workflow. So
2: okay, so so they are doing the the conversations and transactions, etc., like talking to customers. Absolutely. There's none in India. Th- these are all US based.
0: Yes, these are all US based. There are some in India again. Uh, but as India, may, things are at a very little early stage, I would say. There are players like Nani, there are players like Skit. Skit has now kind of moved to, relocated to US. Then there is, as well. So there are players there, but again, uh, I mean, everyone is little early stage, trying to kind of, working on different kind of use cases. And what we have seen is, for example, Sarthi is big time into collection process only and uh, although we have a massive rollouts and massive deployments in collection as well so we do some see some competition from that perspective Nani on the other hand is majorly into the government side i mean those things are there so again
2: government side like political campaigning and all or like promotion of schemes government schemes etc like
0: I think that as well, we're working with different government entities. So again, I mean, there is, as I said, there is ample of opportunity, ample of stuff to be done. And the market is opening up, but then at the same time, market really wants to have evolved products because no one wants to have unfinished product and get a backlash from the customers.
2: Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. Okay. What's your plan to like open more accounts in India? I mean, because uh, any company which has more than let's say 10,000 headcount would have at least 10, 20% of their workforce doing this kind of calling role. So, So there is a lot of opportunity here. What's the way in which you think you can capture it? Like, how can you, what's the way to grow your sales pipeline?
0: You want to kind of grow fast. In fact, we've been growing almost 3x, three times year on year for the last two years. And we expect the same growth going forward as well. I think probably one of the big thing that we bring on the table is, we do not do sales that much. We are focusing big time on the product, on the technology, we keep sharpening it. There are certain outreach programs that we have, which we run, and we kind of create, have some awareness programs, letting the enterprises, the businesses know that this is what can be done. This is what we do. And we prefer it that way. Because our clear mantra is, whatever we do, we need to do it good. It's, I mean, we do hear a lot of enterprise coming to us and saying, Ki, we haven't even heard about you. We didn't even know that a company like you existed with this kind of a numbers, this kind of a scale. We were not even aware. And we're like, that's okay. Because it's okay to kind of talk to 100 companies and not 1,000. But whatever 100 companies we talk to, we need to do a good job. We want them to be satisfied with the deliveries that we do. So it's like a balancing act that that we kind of follow.
2: I'm wondering why none of the telcos like Airtel, Jio, Vodafone, none of them are using you. Are they already using some products or is there a resistance to because they uh, I'm guessing they would have the maximum number of such calls happening so we work with Airtel which would, could eventually become your biggest account right because Airtel would have so many such less than three minute calls
0: well I would say I mean there are hidden gems in the industry we know Airtel for the scale we don't I mean there are other enterprises which actually operate at a much larger scale. The need is much larger.
2: Okay. Like NBFCs would also be doing a lot of collection calls.
0: Oh, yes. See, I'll also tell you a very interesting use case. Let's say in the collection process, only every enterprise, let's say, given an enterprise X, they would have, let's say, a thousand agents doing a certain function a certain collection process, but their books are so huge, so much of work to be done, thousand people cannot reach out to each and every customer, whoever is there in the queue for the collection. They'll just probably pick the top 10% of buying.
2: Yeah, they prioritize it, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So that prioritization probably will, they'll only be able to touch 10% of the customers. But the 90% goes unserved. But a solution like Rezo, there is no scale problem. Probably even with our kind of offerings, the bottom 10% would not make sense in terms of the ROI. But it's the middle 80%, which is there up for grabs, right? So when you look at only at the call center, we're probably looking at the 1,000, which is like handling the top 10%. But the actual opportunity is for 10,000, right? So these are the hidden gems in the industry. Got
2: it. What's your advice to founders who are planning to start? And because, I mean, you've scaled up to soon to be 10 million AR with no external fundraise. So what kind of advice would you like? Sorry, just we had
0: one funding. It was a seed round like three years back and at the beginning of the COVID.
2: So what advice would you like to give to aspiring founders?
0: So my suggestion would be that do not, I mean, you have to be very clear in the beginning itself. VC money is good, but you need to be very clear that are you going or doing your business to raise money or you are raising money to grow the business. That visibility, that clarity has to be there. Both have their own pros and cons. That is important. That's point number one. Point number two is do kind of have your family, your friends, your social circle kind of a good circle around you which can morally support you because this is gonna be a hell lot of a journey.
2: And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now, did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at thepodium.in, that's ad at t-h-e-t-o-d-i-u-m dot in.